Jason really uh, uh, introduced my message this morning. I'm going to depart from uh, our study in First Peter, and uh, actually we're going to look in First Kings chapter 8 this morning. So if you would, turn there in your Bibles, First Kings chapter 8. And since we're looking forward to uh, next year, and uh, I thought I would give us some, uh, some challenges, I hope that we can apply to our own lives and looking forward to growing and uh, hoping that we don't stay just kind of static or the same. Because in reality, we never stay the same. We're either growing or we're sliding back. And so we have to be intentional about our growth and about uh, following the Lord. And so that's what we really want to think about. This morning, we're going to be looking at two verses in particular in verses 60 and 61. And this comes at the end of King Solomon's blessing at the end of their great dedication of the temple. Now, this was at the zenith of Israel's prosperity, of Israel's military power. This was the height of Israel's glory as a nation. And they had dedicated the temple. The presence of the Lord had filled the temple. And it was at the very end of one of the greatest days in the life of the nation of Israel that Solomon ends this great celebration with this blessing upon the people. And so that's a part of what we're going to look at, just a couple of verses. If you want to read the whole blessing, you want to get the context of the story, well, then you can read what goes on before. But we're just picking up on a couple of verses. But let me say this before we read. The times when we have to be most careful and the times that seem to be the most critical in our lives as believers are the times of the greatest blessings and victories What we do at that point, where our heart turns at that point, is so critical. And also, it seems, at the times that are the most devastating, the lowest points of our life, when all we have is God's mercy and grace, everything else has been stripped away. Where our heart turns at those moments, what we decide at those moments, those critical junctures seem to be so important in our lives, in how we're going to follow the Lord. And so I just want you to think about that. Have you ever heard this uh, statement before we read there in First Kings? Have you ever heard this statement? I'm sure you have. It's a truism and just kind of slides past us when we hear it. I think there's a song where it uh, that plays on the Christian radio where, where they use this as a part of their song. This is the first day, can you finish it, of the rest of your life. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so simple and, it, and it's such a simplistic truism that we, we tend to overlook the, the truthfulness of it and the importance of it. This really is the first day of the rest of our lives. And so what we do this day, and then what we do every day, is so critically important for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our marriages, for the rest of our serving the Lord, for the rest of how God would want to use us. This is the first day of the rest of our lives. And so think about that also as we think through Uh, some things that we want to look at today. Verse 60 of 1 Kings 8, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none 
else. Let your heart, therefore, because it is so important for everyone to know, that is our primary purpose, that all may know that the Lord, He is God, and there is none else. That's the purpose of our God, to declare His character, His goodness, who He is. Therefore, because of that, here is our responsibility. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God. To walk in His statutes, that's an Old Testament way of saying in His Word that He's given to us, He's revealed to us how we're to walk, how we're to live, what we're to do, to be right with Him, to be right with others, and to keep His commandments as at this day. This is the first day of the rest of your lives. And every day that our God gives us is for the purpose that we may make Him known, that others may know our God. Let's pray. Father God, as we bow before You in this holy moment, Lord, this is not only the last Sunday of the year, this is the first day for each of us to live the rest of our days that You give us by Your grace. For some of us, perhaps, Lord, we may not even see the new year. We may be in heaven with you. But, Lord, for others of us, we will live through the next year. And, Lord, you have a purpose and plan. And we know your purpose and plan. There's a lot of details we don't know. And there's a lot that's confusing in our lives. There's a lot that will come up that will certainly cause us to stumble and to be confused. And, Lord, to reel even. But, Lord, we do know your primary purpose, and that is for us to make others know that you are God and there is none else. And Lord, help us to understand today that we do that by living this day and every day that you give us, following you, obeying you, living out your statutes, your commandments, your word, so others can see you your character, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your love at work in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in the way we treat others, in the way we live out our daily lives. Lord, help us to not only understand this, but help us to take it to heart to the extent that our, our lives would be changed day by day by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm really uncomfortable when you take me out of a text and when I'm preaching sort of just on a topic. And so uh, pray for me that uh, I'll be able to do this today in a way that will be somewhat coherent and hopefully helpful uh, to you. But we're going to look at today, uh, now don't, don't faint, we're going to look at 15 challenges for 2015, okay? I'll try to be brief and quick and just walk through them. And you might want to take some things down. Some of them will apply specifically to you. Some of them may not apply so much to your season or station in life. But uh, I think that uh, pray that all of them will be helpful. Uh, 15 challenges as we look forward to the year of our Lord 2015. First of all, number one. Let me encourage you to implement three lifestyle choices 
that could improve your health. Jason talked about Coke. We're going to start out at the least. The Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth a little, but it does profit a little. Now, hardly any of us are good on that front. I mean, on the exercise front, and later on in life, we pay for it. We, we really do. But uh, uh, I think there are some things that we can do. Jason made that referring to Coke. I, we're all kind of quirky when it comes to this and, you know, kind of crazy the way we approach this. And we usually don't do anything about the bodies that God gives us until they start to, you know, just kind of go out on us. And then we'll kind of get serious about it. I, uh, I, I need to lose about 20, 25. Some of you all have noticed, you know, you've, 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 you've said, you know, you've been kind, but, uh, you know, you, you know that I've put on just a little bit. And that happens when you get older and you're less active. And uh, some of you have said, you know, Brother Leroy, you look a little little healthier than you used to look. Or just, you know, kind things like that. You didn't want to put it in a, in a bad way. Well, what I do, and it's kind of crazy, and it's probably not working as much, is, 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 is I will usually wait till after bowl season. Because it seems un-American to me to eat healthy while watching football. And so I will wait till after bowl season, and then I'll really get serious about eating healthy, and I'll lose what I need to lose, and then I'll kind of coast the rest of the year, and then I'll get on that uptick at the end of the year when football season starts and start gaining back, and then I'll try to drop down again and get serious about it again. Now, that's crazy. It's not really, you know, uh, exactly what it should be, but uh, I think all of us, it's wise to do something with the bodies that God has given us so we might serve Him, so we might live for Him, so we might be able to let others know how great our God, our God is. The body makes a wonderful servant, but it makes for a horrible master. Don't let your body rule over you or don't let your body dictate what you can or cannot do as you live out your life. Live in such a way that your body will be a good servant as you seek to follow and serve the Lord all the days of your life. Number two, evaluate how your time is spent in relation to social media, texting, tweets, video games. Brian's not even, he's not even paying any attention because he says this, this one has no uh, regard, no relationship to me. I have no problem with this at all, so I can just kind of overlook number two. But, but for some of us, we might need to evaluate how much time is spent. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time. For the days are evil. It's a serious time in which we live in. And I think there are so many things that are helpful in the day and age which we live in. There's so much of technology, I think, that that is very, very beneficial to how we live our lives. But I do think it is worthy to examine how much time we spend on certain technological venues and uh, media sources and outlets. I I think that uh, uh, a lot of believers might be surprised if they did an evaluation of how much time that they did spend that is not necessarily evil, but it takes away from time that could be better spent. They are time killers. They're time wasters. And uh, many of the uh, women who write Kim on the blog, they talk about how do I get my husband, these are grown men, how do I get my husband to get off of the video games that they spend hours on and be more engaged in our family? These are Christian men for the most part. These are grown men, but it, it, these, these can suck 
you in. And before you know it, and before you realize it, they can consume so much of your time. And so I just want to challenge you. I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but we've all seen people. I mean, and there's actually, what is it called where your neck is bent now and it's a medical condition that they've given a term to from people just constantly walking around looking at the, what is it? Neck text is something. Okay, well, text neck, and so we've we, none of us want to be, you know, that uh, you know turkey neck type person, you know, just always hunched over and look. And and you know, people have actually been killed because they were paying attention uh, to their smartphones instead of watching where they were going. And so, uh, let me just uh, challenge you to examine that. Your children, we've all seen it. We've all seen young children needing attention. Not just crying out for attention, needing attention. And their mothers were absolutely ignoring them like they did not exist because they were so engaged in what was going on on their phone. Don't be that mother. Don't be that person. Don't be that dad that's ignoring the needs of your family because you're engaged in some video game. Evaluate that. Look at that. Examine that. Thirdly, some of you are not going to like this. Some of you are going to say, not me. I'm out on that one. Let me challenge you. Read at least, at least, (laughs) I heard a, (laughs) when I said read, read at least three good books this year. Now, for some of you, you're already, that's a part of your uh, daily uh, discipline and, and life. For some of you, you have a book in the bathroom and, uh, you know, it may take you all year or whatever. But uh, however you do it, read at least three good books. And let me encourage you, you can start out small. There are smaller books, smaller devotional books. Start out small. And, and let me just give you some guidance in that. I would encourage you to read maybe uh, one book that... Uh, uh, has a theological bent that, that can help you to know more about the Word, know more about our Lord, teach you more about our God. And then one book that is more of a devotional, it's less theological, more devotional, stirs you. Maybe it has inspiring stories of how God has worked in people's life. Maybe it's stories about uh, other uh, believers, whatever it may be. And then let me encourage you to read an author that has been dead and in heaven for a long time. Sometimes we need the the context of people who have lived before us. And I'm talking about, you know, 18th, 17th century guys, uh, you know, along the lines of uh, uh, Spurgeon or or even C.S. Lewis, uh, not back, he was uh, back in the 1950s, so that's not that long ago, a hundred years ago. But let me encourage you to to maybe... Uh, uh, not just concentrate on one area, maybe just Christian devotionals, that you need to branch out in those three areas. So let me encourage you in that. Fourthly, choose, want to challenge you to do this. Now, not that this is, you know, if you don't do these things that Brother Leroy challenged you in, then you're not going to be right with the Lord. These are just some suggestions. These are just from my heart just to kind of throw these out and whatever you pick up on as the Spirit guides you that will be helpful and you're growing this next year and and, and getting closer to the Lord, serving Him in a way that uh, uh, may excel over this past year. Fourth, choose 12 books. 
six Old Testament and six New Testament to read through. Now that may mean that uh, you may choose an Old Testament book and whatever your interest is, that uh, you might choose Isaiah, Jeremiah, Exodus, whatever it is, and it may take you all month to read through that Old Testament book. But whatever six books in the New Testament, it may be a short book like Philippians, and take a month to read through that, and you might read through Philippians four or five times. And so I think it's better, sometimes we think, well, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to do this, and we start out good, and then we just kind of, and and, and that's good to do too. And some of you have a regular daily Bible reading plan, and that is great. That's a great thing to follow. But let me encourage you that uh, this might be a great way to just get into the habit of reading God's Word. So the books that interest you the most, We'll just determine when I'm going to I'm going to read six books of the Old Testament, and I'm going to really, you know, get to know God's Word in that respect. Six, and you might alternate. You might read an Old Testament book one month and a New Testament book the next month, and then keep following along that line. So anyway, however you want to do that, I think that that would be helpful to you in your spiritual growth and in your devotional time. Fifth, now this is a this is kind of on a, a practical side. I don't deal much with this at all. But let me just encourage you maybe to consider decreasing your debt this year by at least 15%. Uh, I don't know where you are. I don't have any idea about anybody's uh, financial standing, but I think that that would be good for all of us. Maybe some of us may be too dependent upon debt or upon credit cards. What we can do, even if it is a small amount, to decrease that, we are better off. And I think that honors the Lord because when we get enslaved to debt, we are then not able to give spontaneously to needs that are around us, to, 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 to opportunities that God gives us to be a blessing. And so look to decrease your debt this year. And that will probably involve cutting spending in some areas that may, uh, I hope, It will include increasing savings. I think that's a good thing to do. I think that's a biblical thing to do. You can read the book of Proverbs. You can see the spiritual principles throughout uh, Scripture. And then evaluate, and many of you do this during this time of year, evaluate your charitable giving and how that you give. And I don't talk about this, and you know that, those of you who have been with me for a long time, but it ought to be consistent with our devotion, our commitment, our praise and worship of God in every other area of our life. Your checkbook and my checkbook, your financial statement and my financial statement ought to reflect our worship of our God. And so uh, we're going to enter into a time, too, where uh, uh, you know God might lay upon your heart to give even in an extra way. We've had a, a gift that was given. It's put it back there in the box. It was given to me specifically for a building fund. I think that's the first actual uh, uh, check that we've been given designated for that. We don't even have a building fund, but uh, someone wanted to give that. And uh, so uh, uh, the Lord may lay upon your heart to give in, in that special way above and beyond. Just be obedient to the Lord. That's what that's all about. Verse 6, whatever you may be doing in life, whether it's school or six, number not verse six, but number six, whatever you might be doing, school, housewife, uh, work, whether you're retired, uh, decide on no less than three areas that you can excel in over last year. Now, I have no idea what that might be. By the way, 
I prayed over this. God laid this upon my heart to give to you. And I was just praying about that, thinking about it. And I sat down after praying and after thinking through this and praying through this and just started writing without interruption just how the Lord seemed to be speaking to my heart. No order or anything like that until I stopped writing until there were no more thoughts in my heart and in my mind and then I counted them up and there were 15. And so I'm not saying that this was a mighty miracle of God. I'm just saying that was just kind of interesting to me that I that the Lord laid it upon my heart to share in this way and then I asked him to speak to my heart because I had no idea what he wanted me to say in regard to these challenges. I just knew that he wanted me to give to you 15 challenges for 2015 and then I sat down after praying again and asking God to give me what he and just and just wrote. And Kim can testify to that because I, and then afterwards I said, do you have anything you know that you would want to add to that as I read to her and we talked about that? And uh, she said, no, that sound, that all sounds, that sounds, sounds good. And so these three areas, whatever you may be doing, whether you're in school, if you're a young person, if you didn't do well in math, one of your goals might be, I am going to do 10% better in math. Okay, 10%. I don't even know how to figure that out. But uh, whatever it is, find just three areas where you can look back over last year and you would say, you know what? I believe that I could do better in that area. And say, God, give me your grace and give me help. I want to excel. I believe that every child of God ought to have a desire to excel in whatever they find themselves doing, whatever their hand finds, whatever they find their whatever their hand finds to do, they do it with all their might in order that their God might be glorified. And so just think about that. What is there three areas in my life where I can excel, exceed over last year? And then seven, find a specific way that you can bless those nearest to you. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your mom, maybe your dad. We all have habits of what we ought to do. Kim doesn't have to tell me to take out the trash. That's one of my responsibilities. So it's not something that I should say, okay, honey, I took out the trash, and waiting on her to, oh, well, thank you so much. That was such a blessing to me. I, she, doesn't, she doesn't do that, and I don't expect that. So it needs to be something above and beyond what we would just normally do. We're kind of expected to do it. We, we don't have any problem with that. We want to do it. It's a part of what we do. Find a way to be a blessing to those who are nearest to you, to be an unexpected blessing, and then make a habit of it. And then, number eight, take on a person at work or maybe school or your neighborhood to pray for. Like this list of the Dayspring children to pray for. Find one person at work or maybe a friend, maybe someone in your neighborhood, someone at school to specifically pray for. You're praying for them, and then you're taking them on as a spiritual project. However God opens up for you to minister to them, for you to show them specifically that our God is God and there is none else. 
There's only one Savior. There's only one way that our sins can be forgiven. So a spiritual project in the way of a specific person. Nine, pray for and seek out, and I think you can do this as a family, pray for and seek out one ministry project that's long-term. This may take a whole year. It may even be longer than that. Maybe it's an individual in your neighborhood that you've noticed that 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 person needs some help. Maybe it's someone in extended family or friends, but some way that you can help someone on a long-term basis. Many of you are doing these things that I'm speaking about today. You're already doing it. This is the way you live. And so I'm not trying to to put a guilt trip on you to add more onto your life. I'm just, I want to commend you that you are doing this, but if you're not, I want to challenge you to pray about these specific things, these specific ways that we can be a blessing. Number 10, focus on a family member. And when I say a family member, I'm thinking of an extended family member, an aunt, uncle, someone that's really outside the closest part of our family. Focus on a family member this year to pray for, to encourage, to minister to maybe to send a Christian book to, or maybe just to uh, let them know that you're praying for them. Just in some way, each of us has someone within our extended family that is either not saved or either has real spiritual needs. And we do pray for them, and we do think of them, but I want to challenge you to get very specific and very intentional about them this year. Let, let them be a constant daily part of praying. And then as God's Spirit, and He will, as you pray, your heart will become open and sensitive to God speaking to you, and there will be doors of opportunity to minister to them. That will be natural. That will not be forced or awkward. It won't be you buttonholing them at Christmas or Thanksgiving. Have you given your heart to Jesus yet? Right over the turkey. That probably doesn't work out too well. So as you're praying and as you're lifting them up to the Lord, God will open up ways that you can encourage them, minister to them, love them to Jesus, and help them to know how much Jesus loves them. I think we're on 11. We are moving right along. I've got to find a place to slow down and just take about 30 minutes on that. No, we're not going to do that. One of my resolutions is to preach shorter. I don't know if we can keep that or not, but 11. Find or look for new ways of intentionally engaging yourself with others for the purpose of filling the earth with His glory. What I'm trying to say in giving you that challenge is that sometimes we as believers get so comfortable within our own little group that we shut ourselves off from ministry opportunities. And so it may be like the PTA at school, or it may be, you know, it's something not Christian, something not, it may be a, a, a fishing club or so, whatever it is. You can incorporate it in the things that you like. It, it, it may be um, uh, what'd you say? Stop it fishing right there, John. That'll, that'll, that'll probably do it. That, that'll settle it there. Uh, find ways, find groups. It could, some of you have done this with like your children's activities. Like I know, uh, Claire's on swim teams. So, uh, uh, the Hudnells have, 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 
really gotten involved, gotten to know, and many of you do this, other couples, other uh, moms and dads that are a part of your children's lives, you share the same activities. And so let me just encourage you to not shut yourself off from other opportunities to intentionally engage with other people for the purpose of filling the whole earth with His glory. Because I want to tell you, I'm probably the worst of any of us. Well, maybe Fred and I both. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that, that some of us really have to be moved outside of our comfort level to purposely engage with groups of people and with others. And so I realize for some of us, that's, that's, that's uncomfortable to do. But, but it's just a challenge for us. And some of you are already doing that. And you're doing so well. And God's using you in that. And I think all of us, I think that needs to be a part of who we are as Dayspring. That we are not just a come and hear, come and sing, but as we go out, we are filling, we're actively, intentionally, consistently engaged in filling the whole earth with His glory in whatever group, whatever activity we're a part of. And then 12. Express to others thanks with more enthusiasm than ever before. There is nothing that can substitute for the heart, for a heart of gratitude. As believers, we ought to be the most grateful people on earth for what Jesus has done for us, for what God has done for us in showing us mercy. And it ought to be reflected in the way we deal with others. Thank individuals around us for the least of things. I, th I think we take that for granted. M many of you, you're doing such a great job teaching your children how to have a grateful heart and a thankful heart. And model that out. Be even more intentional in that. Thank the people who, who wait on you. Thank the people at Walmart that are grumpy and that hate their jobs and all. Just as you go about your life, just spread a heart full of gratitude. And I know that most of you do that, but let's just, I think that ought to be a characteristic that, that people ought to see in us that just stands out from the rest of the world. Our grumbling and complaining, push that aside. Thankfulness, gratitude, joy. Let's put that out front for everybody to see. Thirteen, no matter how much time, no matter how much time you're spending with those who matter to you most, intentionally guard that time and find ways to spend more. No matter how much time. Some of you are so good at this. But I want to challenge you to not allow this it creep into our lives of, of taking little by little time away. Guard that time. And I think one of the greatest ways to guard that time is to intentionally look for more and do even sacrificially what it would take to spend more because time is the most valuable currency that any of us can possess. Once you spend it, it's gone. 
You can't make any more of it. You can't earn any more of it. You can't save it away. You can't bank it. It is the most valuable currency for any of us. Grandparents, moms and dads. All of us. Those who have wives, those who have husbands. For each of us who have people that are very important to us. Nothing in this world can substitute for being with those that we love most. 14. Do not allow a day to go by. This is primarily to husbands. Do not allow a day to go by without praying with and for your wife and children, if you have children. There's something about a man who should be the spiritual protector, priest, spiritual provider over his wife and over his family. There is something powerful There's something that is almost undefinable, but so substantively real about a man praying over his wife and his family. It's very difficult for men to do. Most pastors don't do it. They pray with others. They don't pray with their wives and their own family. The wife is looking for leadership. She's looking, in a sense, for protection, which is what her husband should provide. And most of us men take that protection very seriously. We would die for our wives. We would die for our families. That's why we have a lot of guns. We, we, We like that part of it. Or we would take a bullet. We would give our lives, stand in the way. But most of us do not take as seriously our spiritual responsibility. And you say, well, I just don't know. It's just, it's the most intimate thing that we can do. It really is. And it's difficult for men. But it can be very, very simple. You can just say, dear God, thank you for my wife. Give her strength for tomorrow. Help me to love her. Watch over and protect her. In Jesus' name, amen. It can be so simple and so short, yet so meaningful and powerful. Men, I want to encourage you. There will be nothing as impactful upon your marriage and upon your relationship with your wife. Nothing can be greater than just simply praying for her and over her and making that integral, non-negotiable part of your life. It will make the single most difference, I believe. And so let me challenge you to do that. Now, if you're single and you say, well, I don't have a husband or I don't have a wife, let me encourage you to find a prayer partner. Something about praying with someone else. Something about knowing someone else is praying for you. So... If you don't quite fit into the relationship category of a husband or or wife, find someone that will partner with you. And even if you can't do it every day, 
make sure it's regular, consistent, whether it's every week or every couple of days or whatever. There's something about believers praying together out loud, lifting up their petitions to our God. There's just something about it that God honors and that there is a spiritual protection there. Fifteen. And I have ten bonus. No, I'm just kidding. Fifteen, that's it. Fifteen challenges for year 2015. Pray that God would direct your heart concerning a primary spiritual focus this year. It might be contentment. It might be faith. Might be humility, might be mercy, it might be theological, uh, like the Holy Spirit, or a character of certain attribute or character of God. But pray that God would give you a particular laser beam focus that you're praying about, that you're reading books about, that you're looking when you're going through Scripture, that you're paying particular notice and attention when that is addressed. A spiritual focus will help you to grow. Now, if you would have done that for the last 20 years that you've been a Christian, how much farther along do you think you'd be? Probably a little farther, wouldn't you? So this is the first day of the rest of your life. I just want to challenge you to start today. Now, all of these will take some intentionality. They'll take some work. They'll take some effort. Might even take some sacrifice. But it's not a lot for what we're going to get out of it and what others around us are going to get out of it and hopefully what God will get out of it in Him being brought glory because that's what it's all about. That all the earth may know that He is God and that there is none else. Amen? God help us. Let's commit this to the Lord. Loving Heavenly Father, as we bow before You, we just commit these challenges, these these thoughts that... We need to consider and lay before you of how we can apply them to our lives. We lay them before you, Lord, that you might direct our hearts, that you might give us specifics. And Lord, not just so we can have check marks to check off, but Lord, so we might truly be about our Father's business, filling the whole earth with your glory, O God. And Lord, I thank you for these precious people who take your word seriously. They take living for you seriously. And I pray that this year would be the greatest year in their lives of loving you and serving you and lifting up your name. For it's in the great name of Jesus we pray. Amen.